What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to Clip and Roll. I am your host, Justin Russo. I'm your other host, Farbot S. Nishari. This podcast is being brought to you by Thera One CBD, NFL Sunday Ticket, Bet Online, and of course, Blue Wire. Farbod, it is Monday. It is the day of game one of Clippers Mavericks. On a scale of one to ten, how pumped are you and how nervous are you? So I'm more nervous than pumped just because it's like, this is such a weird season. It just feels like anything can happen and I'm not happy about it. Um, in terms of pumped, I'm kind of a little bit depressed because this is going to be, this is going to be the first time in eight years. I'm not going to be like working the playoff games at Staples center because the Clippers have been in the playoffs every single year, except one since I've worked there. So it's just like, it's just like a bummer to not like, cause it's a different level of excitement when you get to work it. And so it's just like, it's just going to be weird watching from home every single time. So, like I said, it's Clippers Mavericks. These are not, I just want to point this out. This is not a normal two, seven matchup. Anyone who tells you it's a normal two, seven matchups is out of their mind. Okay. This is not a normal two, seven matchup. If you just look at the overall season, which does include the restart, uh, portion of the year, the last eight games that just got played. The Los Angeles Clippers are tied for the second best net rating in the NBA behind the Milwaukee Bucks. The team they are tied with is the Boston Celtics. The Dallas Mavericks, Farbod, have the sixth best net rating in the NBA and the third best one in the Western Conference. And to put this into perspective for you, because I know you don't look at stuff like this, I find this stuff fascinating. The Los Angeles Clippers net rating is. You don't know where I look at, man. I could look okay. at this. Yeah, sure. They're, the Clippers net rating is plus 6.3. The Mavericks are plus 4.8. 7.5. I knew it. Duh. Okay. Okay. The Mavericks are plus 4.8. So it's a difference of one and a half points per hundred possessions. That difference 
is smaller than the difference from Dallas in six to the tie between Miami and Houston in seventh, which those two teams are at 2.7. So that's a gap of 2.1, meaning the Mavericks are closer to second than they are to seventh in net rating. Like the Dallas Mavericks are a really good basketball team. They're not your normal seven seed in any other year. If they were good in close games and we will get to that in a little bit, if they were good in clutch situations, this team might be a top three team in the West. So when I say it's not a normal seven seed, I really do mean that like this team is really good and they're led Farbod by arguably one of the best stories in this year, second year guard, so I guess if you want to call him a forward, he can be, but he's more or less a point guard like LeBron is. Luka Doncic, second year in the NBA. Yes, he was overseas playing uh, in Europe, and you know he's playing in the second best league in the world in Europe. But here in the NBA, he comes over and he's dicing teams up with his pick and roll passing, his scoring, his intelligence, his all around ability. So they're led by a a kid. I can say that like he's a kid when you compare him to these NBA veterans. And there, and his running mate is Kristaps Porzingis, who was shunned away by the New York Knicks. They did get some stuff for him. They got some cap relief for him. They sent Tim Hardaway, Tim Hardaway Jr. with Kristaps Porzingis to Dallas. But I want to say, these Dallas Mavericks are not a pushover. These are two of the best players in the game. Kristaps Porzingis has been absolutely unreal since the season restarted. And even if we go back to after the All-Star break, he was still awesome. Like his last 30 games played far by, he's been incredible. So that duo is a dynamic duo and one of the best duos in the NBA. So I need people to understand when I say this isn't a normal seven seed, it's really not. The Dallas Mavericks featured the best offense based in offensive rating in NBA history. This is literal. This is a literal historical offense the Clippers have to go up against. And I understand they're 3-0 and against the Dallas Mavericks in the regular season, but this ain't the regular season. And Farbod, I'm a little bit nervous about this matchup. Yeah, but... The Lakers are the underdog, though. Against we're the not Blazers. talking about the Lake. I, I, look, I, I know you want to do this. I know you want to do this. I just want to talk about Clippers, Mavericks. I. So basically, I still think at the end of the day, the Mavs would be a seven seed if it was a full season. I think they they lose too many close games and would probably end up the seven seed. Uh, in I'm most scared. I mean, I I think every game will be close. That's how it's going to be with them. And it's just going to be a matter of who pulls out. Uh, I will say I'm more scared of Porzingis in this situation than I am of Luka, to be honest. Because I've just, I think I have years of PTSD of DeAndre Jordan just letting big men shoot from three. So I just, I'm like, how many threes is Porzingis going to get? I understand. And we are going to talk about how the Clippers play defensively in a minute because I do want to touch on this I do want to do a quote-unquote deep dive real quick in a little bit as to why your fear of that is not unfounded but I do want to talk about the Mavericks for a second as you did say you think they would be a seven seed if the season finished and I understand that and you know what the numbers do bear that out just a little bit so I mentioned earlier how the Dallas Mavericks have struggled in clutch and close situations this year when the score has been within five points in the final five minutes of of any game this season, the Dallas Mavericks are 17 and 24. That's not good. It happens. It's how, you know, these things happen. Not every team could be the 30 and 15 Oklahoma City Thunder when that happens, you know. 
But you look at a team like OKC, they're number one in, in net rating in clutch situations, plus 24.4. The worst team is the Detroit Pistons at negative 23.8. The Dallas Mavericks are 23rd at negative 10.4. In fact, the only playoff team that has a worse net rating in clutch situations this year is the team in 24th, which is the Miami Heat at negative 14. The Dallas Mavericks, who I did say have the have the best offense in NBA history based on net rating, go from the best offense in NBA history to the 26th ranked offense when you get to clutch time. Their defense gives up 109.6 points per 100 possessions in those situations. That's 15th. Although I will say the Clippers are 21st in defensive rating in those situations. However, the Clippers are third in offensive rating and they come out to ninth in net rating. So you're looking at one team that excels in clutch situations, the Los Angeles Clippers, and another team that has sputtered at the end of close games, the Dallas Mavericks. So you tend to think late and close in this series favors the Clippers and theoretically, that is true. The Clippers do have more like pure shot makers. They have Kawhi Leonard. They have Paul George. They have Marcus Morris. They have Lou Williams. These are guys who can get their own shots if required late in shot clocks. The Dallas Mavericks primarily are Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis and a little bit of Tim Hardaway Jr. and a little bit of Seth Curry and a little bit of stuff like that. It's not the same. However, I do want to say... The Mavericks do pose problems for the Clippers, and I will get into that in a, in a minute when I start breaking down a little bit of what the teams do offensively and defensively. But Farbod, if this game comes down to late game situations, if the series does, I mean, the Clippers have to feel confident and Dallas has to feel like, well, we haven't performed as well as we should probably have done all season, but maybe this is the time we get it right. And it's hard to argue with that because of the series of small sample sizes. Like every game is its own sample size and there's only going to be seven of them or up to seven of them in the series. So I wonder, and I wonder how you feel about this. Are you hundred percent confident in the Clippers in late game situations against this Mavericks team? Pretty confident. It doesn't even have to be that late of a game. Like if you remember their last game in the bubble, I think it was a it was it was tied minutes. with six minutes to go. Yeah, five minutes left. The Clippers going a twenty to ten run in five minutes. So it doesn't even have to be like in the final two, the final three. Like I'm pretty confident in the final five or six minutes, the Clippers find a way to separate themselves from them because Luca said it himself today that the, the Clippers make it really hard for him when they throw all these different bodies at him. So so yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm yeah I I'm not. Like, I'm not super worried in that regard. Honestly, what I'm most worried about is in the games that I see them play the Mavericks, the Mavericks get good looks. And it's just like Tim Hardaway Jr. missing the shot or Perzingis missing the shot. It's not like, it's not a bad look. So that's what I'm scared of. Where I'm like, there's definitely going to be a game where these guys hit 23 threes. Like, it's, that's probably going to happen. And that's going to be the game they win. I 100% agree with you when you talk about stylistically, the Clippers have given up a lot of good looks to Dallas. The other thing that I've noticed, I went back and watched all three games because I'm a maniac. When I watched all three games, one of the things I had as a takeaway was, wow, the Clippers kind of just like want to score with them. Like they don't really care about trying to stop them a lot of the time. 
And that's a dangerous game to play. Now, I understand that in two of the meetings, the Clippers kind of did that. And then like in the final five or six minutes, they kind of just turned it up defensively. And that was it like that. That won the game. So in two of the three meetings, like the Clippers were basically going punch for punch and kind of just letting Dallas hang around. And then finally, we're like, all right, pedal to the metal defensively. And that was it. But that's dangerous in the postseason. And on top of that, you don't like to see that wavering intensity. Like you want that all the time on the defensive end, especially against a team that generates the looks that Dallas does. Because, you know, I, like I said, they're they're the top offense in NBA history. But the Clippers are fifth in defensive rating this year. And if you actually go through and look about it, look at it since the bubble, like the, since the restart, they came out, the Clippers were eighth in defensive rating. Now it was 109.8, but to put that into perspective, the lowest defensive rating in the bubble was 102.7. And every other team after that was at least 105. Like no defense was being played in the bubble and people were shooting the lights out. So maybe we get fireworks in, in Clippers Mavericks, but the Mavericks were 21st in defensive efficiency in the bubble. And you know what's crazy, Farbod? You want to know who the team was in last? The Denver Nuggets. A potential second-round opponent. The other thing, too, is the Clippers have felt... I mean, I could be totally wrong. Like, totally wrong. We could see. But the Clippers have felt very much just like they're cruising a bit until they're going to get to the playoffs. So, like, who knows? They could play with that, that fourth-quarter intensity all game because it's the playoffs. And Kawhi and PG are just going to be like demons on the defensive end, and we don't know if Pat's going to play. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just you're just like, oh, so this is what they're capable of. But we also haven't seen Luca in the playoffs, so like, what if this guy averages like forty, ten, and ten? Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels never miss out on your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, to simply making it through each busy day, everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Wersland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. It started with the revolutionary Theragun Progressive Therapy device when Dr. Jason saw the benefits of using CBD in his treatments. He created TheraOne to bring you CBD products done right. A lot of CBD products claim organic, but still contain up to 30% filler, and these fillers are potentially toxic. TheraOne tests their products four times before they get to you. Every product is USDA certified organic, grown in the United States, and their CBD extracts are the highest quality available anywhere. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion and massage oil to recover, body balm for targeted relief, and sleep tincture to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now, through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, 
TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. But you've got to go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now to theragun.com slash bluewire. So the injury report came out on Sunday. Patrick Beverly, Montres Harrell, Landry Shamit, they're all questionable. They didn't play. The, that trio has not played uh, a game together in the bubble, uh, primarily because Montres Harrell was out of the bubble and then came back and was self-isolating, uh, going through his quarantine process. Beverly picked up a left calf strain in the Phoenix game, hasn't played since. Landry Shamit picked up a, a left foot sprain a couple games ago, hasn't played since. So you're looking at a Clippers team potentially, I'm not saying they will be, but potentially could be down three integral players, Beverly, Harrell, and Shamit, going into a game one against a team who is really good. And there goes one defender against Doncic potentially, if not a second in terms of Shamit. I'm not saying Shamit would do a good job, but he's someone who would get a look from time to time. These are also two bench pieces in Harrell and Shamit who would log probably 20 minutes in a game at least for Harrell and for Shamit probably around thereabouts. So you're looking at rotational pieces. These aren't like end of the bench dudes who just aren't going to play. Like these are key rotational pieces. So if you had to guess who plays and who doesn't play cuz I'll tell you I'll tell you my my guess first. I think Harrell plays. I don't think Beverly and Shamit play. Um, well, firstly, this is why you want to play a seven seed usually. Or a team, I know you said it's not a usual seven seed, but I still think at the end of the day, they're gonna, they were going to be the seven seed. Um, I think this, this is why you want to play them, because in case you get injured, you still have the top half of talent to win you the game, just like they did in the seeding game. Because I don't think any of those three... I don't think any of those three played in the seeding game. If Landry played, he didn't play well because Landry hasn't played well in any game other than like the Blazers game. Um, it's who's going to play. I think, I think Pat is going to play. And I, Doc's been really iffy about Trez, like really iffy. He's, but he's I, been very iffy. Every comment you hear from him is like, oh, I don't like, oh, I don't know. Like kind of like he actually sounds like he's like really does not know. I think he might try out Trez, but I don't know if he I don't know if Trez is gonna get that like guaranteed twenty eight minutes a game or whatever, twenty five minutes a game. And it's and the thing is Zoo works so well against him. Zoo gets his highest points per game against the Mavs against any other team and his third highest rebounds per game. So it's like you kinda wanna go with what works and what works is Zoo. Okay, so I'm glad you brought up Evita Zubats. I want to talk about this from a structural point of view in terms of what these teams like to do. And he is a very integral part of what I'm about to discuss. Defensively, both teams do this. It's not just the Clippers, but both teams do this. But I, I'm just going to talk about the Clippers specifically for a second. The Clippers like to play a lot of what is called drop coverage in pick and rolls. This is when the pick, when the screen happens, when the when the uh, ball screen happens by the big for the ball handler, 
The Clippers like to send the ball defender over the top of the screen to push him towards the big man uh, defender who is dropping into the paint. And the reason he's doing that is because he wants to give up mid-range shots because those are the least efficient shots in the NBA, whereas you try to limit the amount of threes and rim attempts. And the reason Zubats is so integral for the Clippers in that is because he is a great defensive big man, and he's very good at drop coverage. However, in the game against the Mavericks, I noticed something very interesting that the Clippers did, Farbod. Whenever Porzingis was lined up at the elbow and being defended by Kawhi Leonard, the the game plan by Doc Rivers and by the Clippers defenders was to have Zubats and Leonard switch that to where Leonard then went out to the corner to guard Boban Marjanovic and Zubats got the assignment against Porzingis. So what the Clippers tried to do their damnedest of was keep Zubats as close to the rim as possible. And I feel like that is going to be the ultimate chess match for them defensively. And I don't know how it's going to go. And the fact that I don't know how it's going to go fascinates me. Yeah, I just, it seems like the X factors for both teams, in my opinion, is going to be, I think Zubats is going to be an X factor for the Clippers. And Porzingis for the Mavericks. Yeah, I think Porzingis is their biggest. How how Porzingis plays is going to tell you how this series really goes. And same thing with some of the Clippers players. Like if if Paul George doesn't play well, it's going to be tough for the Clippers. Like like stuff like that. Like it's going to be little games within the game. And I do want to talk about another thing offensively. What the Mavericks like to run a lot of is what is called a Spain pick and roll. It's become very prevalent in the NBA. They like to have one of their bigs pop and the other one roll and like like screen the screener and all this stuff. Like it's very it's a big part of their game. Luka Doncic is a master at passing out of the Spain pick and roll. So it's going to be very interesting and intriguing to see how the Clippers try to combat that because if you don't play that correctly, you are either giving up rim attempts or you are giving up a lot of wide open threes to the popping big man and that popping big man is going to be Kristaps Porzingis. Yeah, I think like there's I think there's a legitimate chance that Porzingis averages more than Luca this series. I don't think that's crazy. And he and I think he has to for them to win. I, I really don't think that's crazy. I could honest to God, I really do mean this. I could see Porzingis averaging probably thirty two a game, because I do think the Clippers are gonna make him be the guy. I don't know about thirty two, but maybe thirty. <laughs> What's an extra two points, bro? Two points is two points. In the board, when the words of Vin Diesel, you win by an inch, win by a mile, winning is winning, all right? Why are we quoting Fast and the... You know what? We're Why do you know that it's from Fast and Furious, huh? <laughs> because that movie came out when I was, I think, like 14. No way you were that young when Fast and the Furious came out. When did the Fast and the Furious... I don't want to get sidetracked, but when did Fast and the... Fast and the Furious first came out in like 2001, I thought. Yeah, you were at least 35. Oh, I was 16 back then. Damn. That's a while back. Anyways, um where were, oh. I was I was a I was 10. So what are you laughing about? You're like six years younger than me. Who cares? Yeah, six years is all it takes for me to not need a cane. Okay. So 
another thing structurally is these two teams like to run what is called uh, pistol action or 21. You will see this a lot in Doc Rivers offense. It's it's uh, starts on the side of the floor with the ball handler bringing it up. And there's usually a ball and there is a ball screen from a uh, usually a guard and they run into uh, pistol action or 21. You can call it either thing. It is what it is. Um, you're going to see a lot of that. You're just going to see a lot of action from the Clippers where, and this is a really interesting wrinkle that Doc has thrown in because of Kawhi and Paul George uh, Farbod. He likes to run cross screens and then uh, have them curl, have one curl off of it. So the screener will then curl. And what that does, so basically to to set this up, uh, to help you tell people picture this mentally, Kawhi Leonard will come across the paint and screen Paul George's man. Both of them are without the ball. He will screen Paul George's man. And as George cuts across the paint to go up the other side of the floor, Leonard will then sprint around a double screen and come get the ball at the top of the arc where he can either shoot the three or drive and make something happen. It is a very prevalent play for the Clippers. Doc Rivers runs it a lot. It's just something they like to do. Doc, Doc when he finds a play that works, he he runs it into the ground. You might remember that during the Lob City era, uh, Blake Griffin and Chris Paul on side out of bounds, late in uh, shot clocks or late game situations, used to run a lot of fake handoffs where Blake would get the ball inbounded to him. He'd, he'd fake the handoff with Chris the uh, big man would try to help on the what he thought was the handoff to Chris and Blake would just drive. And oftentimes he'd make the shot. And we'd be like, oh, like that was a brilliant play call. Another thing that they like to do uh, in the Lob City days that we actually see now is double high screens. So you're going to see a lot of stuff that is familiar to Clipper fans. The Dallas Mavericks run a lot of the same stuff. Carly, Rick Carlisle and Doc Rivers run a lot of the same stuff. But the but the benefit the Mavericks have is they can go to a true five out system naturally, whereas the Clippers have to bring in a center like Jamichael Green to do that. However, Farbod, I think that's my X factor in this series, Jamichael Green. Jam on it, Green. Are you are you on board with that? Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could consider him. Like, how many points does an X factor have to get to be an X factor? I don't think an X factor has to get like a ton of points. I just, I think if, I think if he averages 10 a game and averages like six or seven rebounds, he's had a hell of a series. Cause you know, he's going to knock him in if he's averaging 10 a game with his limited shots and he's going to be playing defense. So out of everyone who's an X factor, you'd have him over Zubat. I would have Jermichael Green one for the Clippers specifically. Jermichael Green one, Evisa Zubats two. Mm. I'm trying to even realize who's starting. I think the, the rotations are so jacked up right now. I'm like, who's even starting? So if they're healthy, Beverly, George, Leonard, Morris, Zubats. Oh, okay. It's funny because Morris is like an X factor in himself every time. Like he's, yeah he he helps determine how the Clippers are going to play because if his shots going, he's you can't leave him. Um, man, I just hope Reggie doesn't start. Man, <laughs> I'm very much in favor of them starting Lou Williams if that happens. If Pat isn't ready to play, I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to start I, Reggie. I if, if Pat can't go, I think they're starting Reggie. But yeah, yeah I mean, 
they're for what? sure going to start Reggie, but I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of how he usually performs. He's really got to tone it back. If he's the starter, he's got to be careful because they will put him in a lot of. Dallas likes to put opposing point guards in a lot of defensive actions, and he has not been a good defensive player for the Clippers in the bubble. So unless he is drilled in, like unless it is drilled into his mind every Dallas action, which it might be, you know these teams have had a couple of days to go through the footage. Maybe maybe the Clippers see something and know how to combat things. I don't know, but he's gonna have to be he's gonna have to not be bad defensively. And by saying not be bad, I don't mean he has to be good. I just mean he has to be at least average. Yeah, I, I wish. The thing that's like, it's like, I wish we knew the extent of Pat's injury because it's just, no one says anything about it. It's his third lower body in, or fourth lower body injury this year. It, it's, it's, it's interesting because with him, it's, it's either one or the other. It's either he doesn't get injured at all, or it's just a year of going in and out of the starting lineup nonstop. Yeah. I mean, last year he was very healthy this year, which was crazy because he just came off microfracture surgery. And he was and he was healthy basically the whole entire year. And this season, he's been in and out with groin injuries and now this calf injury. And you kind of wonder, like, okay, like what's gonna like what's next? Like, is this the natural progression of things for him? Which it might be, like, you know, it, this could be what happens with him, but his impact cannot be denied. And on top of that, not having him is not a good thing for the Clippers in this series if he is not able to play, which I think he will be able to play at some point. I don't know if it's going to be game one, though. I think just not having him in general for the playoffs, it's bad in every series. I think yeah, you, yes. you want him in everything. Yeah, like like I've said, I've been on record saying he's their third most important player, if not their third best player. I think he is that good as a basketball player. So to be without a guy of that stature for an entire postseason run would be a killer. And I'm not saying he is out for the postseason. I'm just saying if he would be. Don't even use those words. Don't even don't even put them in the universe. Okay, so I know we've talked a lot about like uh, the series in terms of like this. Like I know I just talked about like these are the actions these teams like to run like this and this and this and this. I want to ask you. I'm going to ask you for two different predictions, Okay. The first prediction on this series, and then we'll be done and people can go about their day and enjoy enjoy their Mondays before they throw up before game one tips off, because I'm sure we'll all be a nervous wreck. The, the prediction number one I want from you is. Who wins and in how many games if Beverly Shamit and Harrell are basically good to go for game one or at least by game two. And prediction number two. Who wins and how many games if they're not ready to go by the first couple games? Um, the first one is Clippers in five. Uh, I just think when you, I think when you got playoff Kawhi, like just like when you have playoff LeBron, it's like, okay, there's only hand, there's only a handful of guys that get better in the playoffs. In my opinion, when you really think about it, because a lot of guys choke a lot, a lot of guys, like as great as Giannis is, Giannis has, he keeps consistently getting figured out in the playoffs or like as great as Dame is with his buzzer beaters. I'm I'm talking a lot of smack right now, but as great as Dame is in the buzzer beaters, he always gets shut down by the Warriors, whether they have KD or not, he gets shut down. But LeBron and Kawhi are for sure. Two of those guys where it's like, 
good luck fighting them in the playoffs. Like, you should be worried about them. It's like, it's almost like uh, Rorschach and Watchmen, where it's like, <clears throat> you, sh- you should be worried about locked in here with me. Um, I don't know. Luca is such a big question mark. I don't know how wild he's going to get in the playoffs. I still think, I think Clippers in five, Every I think every game is going to be close. Um, if those guys are gone, I would say Clippers in six with every game. I think every game is going to be close no matter what. Uh, it, it, I don't think any game is going to be like an uber blowout. I think the game that the Mavs win might be a blowout. And the game that the Mavs win, because the Clippers leave so many guys wide open, like Tim Hardaway Jr. is going to get like 20-something points. Luka's going to get like 30, 10, and 10. And then like Porzingis is going to get like 27 and 9. And um, like I think Kleba will probably get like 10 or something too. So my thing would be, I, I really like Maxi Kleba, by the way. I think he's Dallas's X factor. He's that good. And if he makes his threes, he's good defensively. He's a great lob threat. If, if he makes his threes, I'm just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but I will say my, my predictions on both of those are if they're good to go Clippers and six, if they're not good to go Clippers, Clippers in seven. Like, I, 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 I think it has to go seven at that point. Like, I think uh, like it's going to be tough. So, look, uh, by the way, real quick, this is I mean, kind Trez of going to be good to go no matter what. Trez is I, yeah, yeah, I think he'll be good to go no matter what. It's the other two where I'm like, I don't know, yeah. like because that really hurts your guard depth. It's not just Pat being out. It's Landry, too. Like, that's that's a backup guard that like you then have to, like, play Reggie Jackson more. Yeah. Um, real quick, this is kind of playoff related. Do you see Joe Kim Noah's Instagram video? Yeah, the Sage. What a legend. I mean, just makes me laugh. I'm just I'm just can we lifetime contract that guy? <laughs> Might as well. He really wanted to be a clipper. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Alright, Farbod. Uh People, we might be back with post-game pods. I don't know yet. We'll have to see how schedules work itself out. But I want to say game one is going to be interesting. Don't hyperventilate. And whatever the result of game one is, if the Clippers win, if the Clippers lose, don't overreact either way. Because it's one game in a series that is very, very, like the the sample size are so small that the variance from game to game is crazy. So just, Keep your wits about you for the most part, please. Farbod, you got anything left for the good people? Yeah, just don't forget that the Lakers are the underdog, even though they're the first seed Okay, all right, people. We will see you as soon as we can, I guess. Farbod, tell the good people bye. Underdogs. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, BetOnline sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts.
If you're struggling with alcohol or drugs, Recovery Centers of America can help. RCA's local inpatient and outpatient programs are founded on science and delivered with heart from an expert caring team who will inspire and guide you every step of the way. Go to rcahelp.com slash podcast for more information on how to get treatment. At RCA, you'll be in a community that builds connections and fosters support from peers and RCA's team of medical professionals. At RCA's state-of-the-art campuses, they tailor your treatment to you and also offer specialized programs for patients with history of trauma or relapse, for young adults, for adults 50-plus, for the LGBTQ plus community, a confidential program for first responders and service members, and a faith-based program. Recovery Centers of America accepts patients 24-7 and is in network with most insurance providers. Don't wait. Go to rcahelp.com slash podcast for help. rcahelp.com slash podcast.